chapter twenty three of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox transition by emma francis brooke chapter twenty three the snow lay thick upon the ground of the rectory garden and blown by the piercing wind clung in little heaps along the window-frames honora shivered as she stood in the long bedroom that was still called her own after her residence in london the width of the landscape the expanse of sky grey winterly and heavy with clouds induced a feeling of defencelessness and solitude she was dressed in mourning and her face was thinner and paler than it had been and in her eyes when they were still was a hint of grave pathos infinitely beautifying there was nothing cheerless or despondent in her aspect her black dress even was relieved by white at the throat and wrists her bearing was composed as ever but the over-elation was subtracted from it each morning when she waked her earliest thought told her that lucilla was dead this was the first vacation that honora had spent at home since she left the rectory in dudgeon after the first paroxysm of grief was over leslie had brought her down abstaining however from himself participating in the meeting between the father and daughter her arrival at the rectory had been late in the evening and her realization of the changes that had occurred there began only at the moment when she stepped from the cab and the front door was opened the memory of former home returnings had led her unconsciously to picture a blaze of light in the hall and the glow of fires from the open doors of several rooms a servant or two being there to receive her instead of this her father stood on the threshold alone his face was full of tender welcome but the oldness of his clothes struck her instantly behind him was the flicker of one niggard wick floating in oil for light is expensive and a small economical glow from the open doorway of his study all the other rooms were closed one surmised the darkness and the dreariness on which the keys were turned at the moment when her father led her into his study honora her heart tender with its grief would have given all she had to have dropped her handsome furs into obscurity and to have stood before him in the most worn of her working dresses the next day's discoveries repeated those of her arrival the rectory and the rectory garden had only been defended from the encroachments of decay by a single pair of domestic hands during months of time the hands belonged to a rough maiden from the village who did what she could in the kitchen to make the rector comfortable and who spent the rest of her time in faint cleaning skirmishes amongst the many deserted rooms of the old house as to his garments with those she was faithful but inadequate honora noted with an indescribable pang that his worn shoes were tied with string in default of black ribbon he is my father said she looking down at her well-cut gown and he is dressed like a beggar while my clothes are new on that morning she left her cold bedroom to seek the one inhabited room downstairs where breakfast was laid 
ever since her return her ingenuity had been exercised in trying to provide him with little luxuries without his knowledge she fancied that she met with resistance subtle but firm this morning he stood before the fire when she entered a letter in his hand honora caught up a pair of scissors from her work-basket which necessarily had intruded itself amongst the rector's books and taking his aged hand in her own began snipping the frayed edges of his shirt-cuffs honora philia mea said the old man you have come back to make me feel the beauty of human love and companionship now father the other hand and these shirt-links are not fastened my scissors have made the cuffs tidier the rector submitted looking with a curious wonder at the white capable fingers and the vigorous wavy hair which she displayed as she bent over the work honora continually repressed an inclination to sob by tender activities of the kind he is coming to-morrow honora said her father leslie oh i know that she returned absently now promise me something what is that my daughter said he a faint anxiety in his face that you will eat the egg i am going into the kitchen to cook for you poached father dear cocoa is not enough for you it was wonderful to be waited on by honora it was wonderful to be forced to eat the dishes prepared by her hands when the egg was brought it was exquisitely done for honora had had practice in cookery her cheek had been caught by the fire and the crossness of the handmaiden had had to be combated the rector ate his morsel in silence the meal was for her sake not his own it was wonderful that this capable brilliant creature whose existence seemed scarcely connected with his own should make his little comforts and necessities her concern his lips softened into a gentle play of affection every time he looked at her honora was satisfied to have returned to him the things by which she had been repulsed attracted her now this atmosphere of serene holiness was a constant strengthening consolation not elsewhere to be found for grief while the exercise of her ingenuity in combating daily by strategy his ascetic habit filled up insensibly the feeling of her loss the rector yielded a tranquil submission where it was possible as one yields matters to the love of a beautiful child which one would not surrender to an equal now and then he broke into a gentle expostulation you overwhelm me honora with a personal indulgence long discarded by me this self-denial is not a means only to that deed of reparation concerning which i spoke with you before it is also a means of keeping bright my spiritual armour a humble effort to follow in the steps of my lord who had not where to lay his head the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head the rector's faraway eyes gazed over the plate of dainty food which honora had placed before him seeking after that immemorial figure for the traces of whose steps he constantly watched meanwhile it was easier to combat the movements of natural appetite than the pleading face of a beautiful daughter and the caressing hand that was busy even now with the table napkin under his chin in a ludicrous endeavour to create some semblance to an alderman at a city feast to such an ear as her father's honora felt that she could confide the story of her grief one evening she brought a footstool and placing it near his feet sat down upon it and drew the volume out of his hand and laid it aside 
and in that attitude she told him all she knew of the story of lucilla the rector laid his hand upon her head when he found that she was weeping and you love this strange lovely child honora said he deeply father dear never another so much do not think philia maya that the child's ignorant aspiration was lost i am touched by this history of a maiden whose heart was stricken by the sight of the undisputed sway of evil in our metropolis i moved at this undirected effort of a tender girl to contribute to the world's salvation she parted willingly with her treasure on earth to lay up treasure in heaven so we must think of it honora and not as a loss she gave her life what can a man do more she was one of those who in painful ignorance it may be and not knowing how to tarry the lord's leisure yet made ventures for christ's sake it would have been my privilege had she lived to have known this young girl and to have learnt from her also it may be to have instructed her time was in my youth when the church shrank with a fear far from godly from the reforming movement within the state and i myself have yearned too much to be freed from the vexatious disputes of men the raging of the heathen but years have shown me that the ark of the church is safe amid the storms of the world and that god speaks to his people in the storm of men's affairs as well as through the services of his church and it becomes his ministers to listen in that storm for the still small voice of his guidance and to hear it gladly be comforted honora he who placed the aspiration in this child's heart understood it and in spite of the mistakes of her ignorance will know how to fulfil it honora raised the old hand reverently and kissed it the difference in opinion between them was still there but the changes brought by love and grief had modified her attitude it was the new tenderness of her heart which made her capable of gathering a meaning from that far-away spiritual holiness and discovering an adequate interpretation of his words there is something more i want to speak about father said she timidly will you let me open your heart to the one who loves you my daughter it is that i know you are not using the one hundred and fifty pounds of my mother's income that i left you i am rich i have far more than that more than i need or can use and since i knew lucilla i have hated luxury and display but you are too rigorous towards yourself you deny yourself necessaries only use the one hundred and fifty pounds for my sake father dear she raised her head from his knee with a coaxing entreaty in her face that crept to his heart i cannot put on my furs again unless you promise me and i am cold the rector stroked her hair with inimitable gentleness his hand upon her head felt like a benediction put on your furs filia pretiosa the lord forbid you should be cold or suffer said he the service of the lord to me is peace there was not a hint of yielding in his voice i think said honora still more timidly that if my dear mother knew she would wish it to be as i say the rector did not reply for several minutes she noticed that his hand lay heavier on her head she was sure he was thinking no said he presently in a low clear voice if i thought that i would yield but she was ever before me in the road her spiritual insight was swifter she as the beloved disciple lay near the heart of our lord my daughter put this tender anxiety from your mind it is well with me the consolations of my god flow full and deep upon me 
honora knew that it was vain to press him further she sat quite still looking into the small glow of the grate towards which it was necessary to press near to keep warm and presently she found herself inspired by a new idea she caught her father's hand in both of hers and looked up eagerly then make me another promise cried she with confidence in her voice he smiled down upon her and what is this beloved he asked that money has been saving up and there is capital of course behind it take that too dear father and use that with the rest i cannot touch it and never will it is for lucilla's sake i am sure that though i never understood her this is something like one of the things she meant take it dear father the rector leaned back in his chair and said nothing it was impossible to refuse honora's request but his delicate sense of justice shrank from her proposal that which was church property he was tenacious of for uses of the church but this money was in no sense sacredly set apart for the exclusive service of the lord as he would have put it and the girl for whose sake honora was surrendering it would probably have desired to return the money to the city of her love in some object of direct usefulness to its inhabitants finally it was arranged between them that the fortune of honora's mother was to be presented for some collective purpose through littleton to the man to whom lucilla's last broken words were addressed thus the inconceivable had by process of time and experience fallen naturally to its place and honora without grudge or hesitation had handed her own fortune to the socialist sheridan for uses of the community even as her father had in his way done before her this time when leslie came he lingered one afternoon shortly after his arrival the iron grimness of the weather relaxed in favour of blue skies and sunshine leslie went out to see the communal possessions of the village if the rectory had decayed there had been lavish improvements in the adornment of the church the edifice itself had been enlarged to accommodate the congregation of the poor who flocked to hear the words of a man who supplemented his burning sermons by so much reality in practice the organ was new and the music had been improved at some cost the rector's aim was to ensure the conduct of a service whose exterior beauty and solemn perfection should answer in a measure to his own deep sense of the spiritual significance of the church sacraments and offices again the doors of the church were always open as an invitation to the wayfaring man to repose every day at an hour when it was possible for the villagers to attend there was music for their refreshment and at even tide a short service the schools too were adorned and extended and a reading-room had been opened the rector thought he discerned the budding of a rich crop of piety in his flock honora still surveyed these things in a silence within which lurked a remnant of protest inwardly she marvelled at the largeness of her father's ideas and the success of his achievement leslie went on to the hills he wanted them and their solitude for his thoughts he was no more precipitate in his crowning bid for happiness than he had been in the preliminary steps or in forming his moral conclusions honora seen again in her own home was the changed honora of london experience with something of the old light of old surroundings upon her by the side of her brilliant youth was the figure of her father slowly fading out of life in the midst of his exquisite and unique achievement leslie never thought of him without a thrill of the heart but it was the figure of the daughter that perpetually haunted his mind always there was that passage of honora through his thoughts 
and now as he walked over the hills upon which a covering of snow lay in dazzling whiteness the frost-hardened ground ringing under his step and the deep calm silence around honora's image her voice gestures face her frown and her smile passed hither and thither up and down his mind ceaselessly now and then another face rose in his memory and hung there for a brief season it was always still and uplifted the lips parted in expectation and it was as far away as the dream in her eyes that was lucilla's following it came always inevitably the strong face of sheridan leslie stopped in his walk and looked over the hills with knitted brows one wonderful cone-shaped peak lay tremulous and shadow-like on the horizon distinguished only from the slow-moving clouds by its motionlessness dotted amongst the fields hanging on rough ledges of the hills a burden of snow behind and upon them were the old stone cottages of the weavers monuments of a dead industry deserted now cold and dreary to ordinary eyes to littleton the long upper chambers were instinct with memories the very look of them wakened his living sympathy with the passionate heartbeat of the chartist he sought out one in particular in which he had been informed the old weaver norbury whose insignificant existence had proved so ominous to honora had lately passed away he had died hugging to the last the political dream of his youth and in spite of the fact that its formulations had become political commonplaces still deeming its inner aspiration unfulfilled and keeping his faith in it as for a future hope there is no such thing said leslie as the fulfilment of a dream the dreamer stammers out conditions that appear to sum it up but they being fulfilled the vision itself looms larger and more distinct my deepest faith is in dreams thought he he was standing near one of the low stone walls of the country and now that his own steps had ceased the silence was so deep that any little accidental sound cut it like a rip in a texture deep and majestic also was the solitude and through this silence and solitude came to him a clearer sense even than that which habitually haunted his mind of the period of transition in which he lived a knowledge not mournful but tinged with solemn joy that the watchwords of the past are outworn and fading away to make place for the watchwords of the future dim and undefined at present but charged with hope and progress and high inspiration then felt i like some watcher of the skies when a new planet swims into his ken or like stout cortez when with eagle eyes he stared at the pacific and all his men looked at each other with a wild surmise silent upon a peak in darien such was leslie in this moment hitherto in spite of intellectual apprehension his virility had not always been able to escape moments of hesitation or the sickness and futility of regret a futile regret for a finished past that century sickness coincident to a period of transition which touches even stern and acquiescent minds when resigning their warm nests of the past and which mounts to panic and clamour in the coarser natures of common unbelievers who are unable in the momentary twilight to conceive of the changing future save as the offspring of devils and of fools just now the cry of littleton was for a leader a man consummate who should interpret social visions into actualities more swiftly but was such an one possible to an age of averages he asked himself whether the time was capable 
of imbuing any single personality with so much of the majesty of its qualities as to lift him conspicuously above his fellows its tendency he thought was rather to distribute its best characteristics so as to raise the democratic average than to create giants of resource and power the very raising of the average reciprocally affected the foremost ranks so that one after another in ever swifter measure new spirits equipped by energy genius and clear intention stepped to the front and by their increasing numbers dimmed the pretension of any particular candidate in an age when genius is common and talent signifies mediocrity is it possible in the nature of things that a leader can be awaking the search for the rare man is even keener the test severer no mere aspirant will meet it the spirit falls where it listeth and none can by willing call it to himself as the words passed his mind there floated into his memory so that it hung there in unwonted clearness the face of the dead lucilla the grey eyes with their onward look and the lips parted in suppressed expectation with a sudden impulse he stooped down and wrote the syllables of a name with his finger on the snow when leslie returned it was getting dusk the lights were not yet lit for the economy in the rectory put off the season of lamps and oil burning leslie found honora in a small sitting-room which as a child she had been accustomed to regard as a schoolroom here she was at liberty to keep up for leslie and herself her own standard of comfortable living she adjusted that standard to her father's nothing could induce her to put a match to her own lamp until her father's was illumined leslie found her therefore sitting in the firelight a book upon her knee her hands clasped behind her head absorbed apparently in thought around her appropriately enough were shelves full of school-books and some of these she had pulled down the table was strewn with them as also with papers on which she had been taking notes and making entries littleton as he entered had the feeling of unreality and of isolation common to intense thinkers as though the atmosphere created by his own thoughts on the hills remained with him now and enclosed him in a world of his own throwing over external surroundings a distant and unsubstantial appearance honora scarcely moved when he came in she looked at him from under her eyelids and faintly smiled he sat down opposite and himself experienced the pleasantly soporific effect of firelight it intensified the fantastic evanescent feeling of wonder until the room was charged with it littleton was altogether in a curious mood he seemed to be sitting aloof even from himself in a condition of absolute calm watching the faces and the figures that flashed and vanished in his mind honora the rector lucilla sheridan they came and went in strange monotonous repetition as though their being there together were in itself of import and as though at any moment their visionary proximity would spell a meaning to him i am going up by the night train said he presently i have sent my portmanteau on before no dark heart to take you now returned honora smiling so that i have the advantage of a walk under this splendidly clear sky i am sorry you are going littleton considered the little sentence and the tone in which it had been spoken are you asked he gently after the pause oh yes leslie you must come again she spoke so warmly so emphatically littleton through the window saw the stars crowding out in the sky they were worlds full of light and life they were pricks of a pin in a surface which the room seemed to heave and fall at one moment he stood on the edge of an abyss in the next he was shut up between walls 
i shall follow you back to london soon said she still with her hands behind her head against the chair back to me it will be different yes said leslie kindly and what i wonder are you returning to now to my ordinary work and more than ever to socialism i heard from sheridan at last this morning that means news your face tells me so yes honora sheridan has accepted the trust he tells me that for long he hesitated unable to assure himself that he was the best to fulfil lucilla's wishes as expressed through you he bases his final consent solely on that piece of paper on which we found the three words written and which i immediately conveyed to him he believes that he is able to understand them and that by accepting the trust of this money for her and applying it to the wisest purpose of socialism within his power of discernment he will best be replying to the spirit of that message he said that to do anything for her which he conceived was in the spirit of her deepest wishes was an unspeakable relief to him do you follow all this said she not all i know that sheridan was deeply moved and deeply startled by her death i know that when i handed him the paper he read into it at once something more than i could understand there was a quarrel between them there was discord misery no ordinary quarrel honora of that i am sure i hardly know if we may name it discord and misery i think that the divergences of some minds have higher harmony within them than we find in the acquiescence of others honora said no more her mind was with lucilla leslie looked up to the window the stars were crowding out quicker than ever the snow-laden branches lay across the blackness of the window-pane dimly white and still as that death on which they had spoken and they made him think of the name he had left written upon the hills and freezing now into clearer letters under a starlit sky when he next spoke it was very gently very slowly and very deliberately your work does it satisfy you honora my work the illusion seemed to startle her she altered her attitude for the first time bringing her arms down and sitting upright my work oh yes when we come to that it is odd how i do like it how completely satisfied i am how deeply interested in it i find myself to be i have come to have great faith in it in this career i realized myself more than in any i had pictured i did not know my own faculties and proclivities until i had tried them then my absolute independence suits me i am standing on my own basis and i do not find myself conquered by events but on the whole conquering them i have a worthy career a definite place what more than all this can i desire i am satisfied i shall never wish for anything different i shall never marry honora did not know why she had uttered that last sentence it is possible that some ineffectual wave from the mind of the thinker opposite brokenly touched her impelling her to words the more inappropriate in that they were a coincidence at the moment a flame leaped up in the fire and revealed leslie's face gazing at her his eyes grave and sad held hers and her heart stood still there came into her mind a swift strange apprehension of something that might have been and which yet she might miss she sat more upright and waited in dim and rather fearful expectation it was possible that all her preconceived ideas might be overturned in a moment and that something might be revealed which hitherto her resolute common sense had sternly held back from her conscious calculations the silence was prolonged during the time leslie's mind probed deeply into the nature of things and then he spoke you are right said he firmly and quietly quite right 
they sat a little longer in silence this time it was disturbed by honora's rising from her chair the commonplace rustle of her dress sounded to leslie like the falling of the first spadeful of earth on a coffin the clock on the mantelpiece struck and then he too rose to his feet it is time for me to go said he you will put on your great coat said honora absently yes said he and then they shook hands honora was surprised to find how calmly she stood on the hearthrug looking before her with a perplexed brow and then she became aware that he was gone and that the door had shut gently behind him she heard his steps along the hall and the louder closing of the front door in that sound there was so much finality that she experienced a great and singular perturbation two tears stole down her cheeks and her teeth were almost driven into her under lip to keep back a flood of others from following oh lucilla come back to me i am very lonely she cried leslie walked rapidly through the village as he neared the church he saw that it was lavishly lighted and the sounds of the organ and the voices of the choir stole towards him across the frost-clear air he remembered this was the late service to which the rector loved to collect such of his flock as would attend a mediaeval hand seemed softly laid upon his nineteenth-century shoulder and he paused the music acted on his sore and agitated feeling not soothingly but rather to intensify it to an excruciating point the peace and mildness of it affected him as a reproach which as yet he could not translate he went on walking savagely and putting space between himself and the rectory as quickly as he could as he went he tried to tell himself that he had received no mortal wound finally he turned a corner and passed suddenly from the silence of the snow-covered road into the cheerful activity and prose of the station there was a considerable noise there whistling shunting and the panting of an engine and leaping as it were out of the chaos of busy sounds came a thought that drew the colour to his cheek he stood still the image of honora seemed to be near him soft and blurred in tears i wish i could see her like that he said but i don't know that i deserve anything he drew back into the hedge so that chance passers-by might not so easily discern him and when a train rushed into the station which he judged to be his own he did not move it went out again leaving him still standing where he was and then in a strange heat he turned on his steps and began to make his way back by a short cut to the rectory he thought of the meagre light which honora was wont to set up in the little schoolroom and by which he sometimes sat late into the night studying was that light still burning or would it be extinguished suddenly he began to run not content with the pace even of a rapid walk a feeling of self-derision spurred him it had always been so hard to leslie to decide will she forgive me he thought i have acted like a fool the white fields and hedges raced past him he thought of honora's calm manner of her brightness and her cordial tones he criticised her while his heart beat and burnt now he pictured her snipping the frail light out with her fingers then it blazed clear and strong and her head was bowed beneath it weeping that he said might save me he turned a corner and the rectory buildings lay massed before him in cold dark heaps it was an eyeless thing sullen and poverty-stricken under the winter's night tremblingly he searched over the darkened windows the rector's lamp was extinguished and the study closed beyond in a humble corner of the building half hidden behind a tree he thought he saw a ray from the little schoolroom window inside sat honora at the table her head bowed amongst her books in a trouble and despair that no effort of will could hold in abeyance she still fought for her equilibrium 
but it was with losing forces leslie re-entering called her softly by her name she lifted her head and the pair of long-tried friends gazed silently each into the eyes of the other and suddenly honora saw him as he was the difficulties of his slow and reticent nature and the worth of it that lay behind were clear to her mind as clear to her judgment stood her own relation to him with an instant and simple gesture she laid her hands upon his shoulders and his own followed them he pressed them with the warm insistent pressure of a man and it went to her heart so that her fingers melted and clung to his and her eyes and whole face changed under his gaze in such a moment the great and golden glory of passion which had always lain as a possibility behind her friendship came to her there was a beauty in her face he had not seen before and it was for him i have great need of love leslie said she with a grave and lovely smile the end of chapter twenty three the end of transition by emma francis brooke